the Prospect Sermons podcast, the preaching ministry of Prospect Baptist Church. This podcast is dedicated to the faithful exposition of the scripture and the edification of the local church. This is Parker Smith, senior pastor of Prospect Baptist, located in Fayetteville, Tennessee. Our prayer is that the sermon you're about to hear will help you grow in your understanding of God's word, point you toward the person of Jesus Christ, and encourage you to live for the glory of God. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Prospect Sermons podcast. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Kim. Thank you, choir. And thank you, Scott. And thank you, all of you, for being here this morning. If you are a guest here with us, my name is Parker. I serve as a senior pastor here at Prospect Baptist. And we're delighted that you're here with us. Do us a favor. If you are new, uh, fill out the little perforated card in your bulletin. Leave that in your seat, or you can turn it in uh, to an offering box as you leave the service this morning. We'd love to make a record of your attendance here with us and love to follow up you and certainly pray uh, with you and for you. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I would invite you uh, to turn to the book of Galatians, chapter number three. We're going to continue in our series this morning uh, through this uh, wonderful, wonderful book. And uh, uh, this is a uh, great um, text this morning and one that certainly encouraged me And uh, as I was studying. And so I remember that the Apostle Paul is building for his case for justification by faith alone. He starts with conversion, verses 1 through 5. And this morning, we're looking at Abraham, verses 6 through 9, but also continued next week, Christ in the curse and then the law and the promises in verses 15 through 25. If you grew up in the church or you attended a vacation Bible school or you learned some fun songs, you remember this one that I'm about to sing. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, Father Abraham, and many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, y'all know this, and I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right arm, left arm, like the Christian hokey pokey, right? So we know this song, but really, you think about the essence of that. You think about what the essence of that song, how many of you know that songs communicate theology? Is the way that we catechize the church. It's what the truths that we sing matter. And so we know this song, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. And the question I want to propose to us this morning is, who is it that are really, truly the children of Abraham? And that is the burden of this text. Who are Abraham's children? That's Galatians 3, verses 6 through 9. And so would you, out of honor and reverence of the reading of God's word, would you stand this morning as we read Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. The apostle Paul says this, Just as Abraham believes God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, so then that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then it is those who are of faith who are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. This is the word of God. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray that this morning you would give us eyes to see and that you would give us ears to hear, that Jesus would go before us in this text. Father, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. So, Father, we rejoice in our Savior. We rejoice in our mediator, who is Christ 
the Lord. And Father, I pray that this morning, as we look at a patriarch, we look at the man of Abraham, that we would do as the author of Hebrews tells us, that since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that it would encourage us in our faith to lay aside every weight and to lay aside every sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus this morning. May we be encouraged by the faith of Abraham. And may we be pursuing our very Lord and Savior. Would you help us this morning then by your spirit to hear your word, to receive it, to believe it in faith and to apply it in our lives? Speak to us, Lord. Your servants are listening for it. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I want to draw your attention to three things. I want you to see Abraham's story, Abraham's faith, and Abraham's children. Look at verse 6, looking at Abraham's story. He says, just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. I don't want to just assume that we all know the story of Abraham, but it is quite interesting, is it not, that the Apostle Paul builds his argument of justification by faith alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. He builds his argument on the Old Testament. Isn't this just a New Testament idea? No, beloved, it's an Old Testament idea. And the Apostle Paul builds his argument on an argument from the Old Testament. Verses 1 through 5, he's appealing to personal experience from the book of Galatians, of the Galatians people. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, for doing, or by through the giving of faith, receiving that, receiving the Spirit by faith? He's appealing to experience, but now he turns and he builds an entire chapter, not built on experience, but upon the truth of God's word. Folks, we live in a day that experience overrides and trumps truth. We search for truth. We search what is truth. We look for it far and wide, and we say things like, well, what's true for me? It's how I feel. How I feel determines truth, or what I experience determines truth. No, beloved, the Apostle Paul means to remind us today that truth is ultimately found in God's Word. His Word is truth. And so this morning, when we come to look for truth, and the Galatians come looking for truth, the Apostle Paul says, I want to point you to the truth. And it's not so much found in your experience. It's found in the revealed word of God. Folks, I want to say if we want to be mature in Christ, which is what we are saying at Prospect, we want to present every person mature. We not only need the New Testament, we need the Old Testament as well. We need the full revealed counsel of the word of God. And Paul builds his argument throughout this chapter from the book of Genesis to Habakkuk. The Old Testament is the field in which the Apostle Paul will ground his argument. And this morning, it lands squarely on Abraham. Turning your Bibles to Genesis chapter number 12. Genesis chapter 12. This is after the fall, after Adam and Eve, after the sin that spread into the world. God brought about this great flood. He preserved Noah and his family. 
And the Bible begins to turn in the latter part of chapter 11 of the book of Genesis and hones in on through a genealogy and hones in on a particular person, namely Abraham. You find him, his name is Abram. God will eventually change his name to Abraham a few chapters later. But he was found in the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. And he was called to leave his homeland and to follow God to a land that God would eventually show him. Galatians, or excuse me, Genesis chapter 12. Look at verses 1 through 3. One through three. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and to your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God comes to him, gives him a promise. Look at verse 4. And Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. You could argue that in verse 4 of Genesis chapter 12, Abraham is acting in faith. You could argue that. Though that's not the example that the Apostle Paul gives us in Galatians. He gives us another one. The the story continues, beloved. Turn a few chapters later to Genesis chapter 15. We're honing in to where Paul quotes from when he says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, This man, not your heir, your very own son will be your heir. And he brought him outside, looked toward the heavens, and numbered the stars, if you were able to count them and number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Notice, God gave him a promise and said, through you all the nations will be blessed through your offspring. And Abraham looks and he says, I don't have any offspring. All I have is a servant. All I have is someone serving me. and, And by the way, God, I'm old. My wife is barren but yet you're making to me a promise of offspring. I don't have any offspring yet. Verse 6, despite all of that, despite the will of the human flesh working against him, that it does not seem possible for this promise to be true. Verse 6, and Abraham believed the Lord. And it was counted to him as righteousness. And he said to him, verse 7, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. But he said, O Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess this land? And we're going to continue in Genesis 15. We don't have time to unpack it, but I would encourage you to study what's going on in Genesis chapter 15. God is making a covenant with Abraham in which he says to Abraham, I want you to bring some animals here, and I want you to get a heifer. I want you to get a goat. I want you to get a ram and turtle doves and pigeons, and I want you to cut them in half, and I want you to make an aisle very similar to the aisles that we have even here in this church, and I want you to separate them, and I want you to create an aisle. 
And darkness came and a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. And the Lord said, you want to know how you know that I will be faithful to the promise that I'm making you, Abraham. And God walks through the pieces and he cuts a covenant with Abraham. And he says, I will be faithful to what I promised that I will be faithful to you. I will make good on my promise to you, Abraham. God is swearing an oath to Abraham that the promise I am making, I will fulfill it. And in Genesis chapter 17, the story moves forward in which Abraham is circumcised. It is a covenant sign between the Lord and his offspring. And there his name is changed from Abram to Abraham. And Abraham and his wife are yet without children after years of infertility. Abraham is growing older and older. Sarah, his wife, is barren. How in the world is God going to make good on his promise? Abraham took matters into his own hands and went and went and tried to make this come about with Hagar, who was not his wife. They had a child named Ishmael, but this was not the child of promise, God says. And so this time next year, I will come again, and Sarah, your wife, will conceive, and she will give birth to a son, Isaac, and through Isaac shall the promise be made. And after many, many years, many years, God would say to Abraham, I want you to take your son, Isaac, your son, and I want you to take him up on the mountain. I want you to sacrifice him unto the Lord as a offering unto the Lord for your devotion to me. And Abram goes to make that sacrifice, and on his way, right before he slams the knife down, he sees a ram caught in the thicket, and Isaac may live. There is a substitute that the Lord gives for Isaac, and that the boy can live, and that God has provided a substitute and a sacrifice on his behalf. There is much more, much more that we could say, and we don't have time to explore all of that. But note this, Abraham's story. That's the story of Abraham from Genesis 15 to Genesis 21. Secondly, it is of Abraham, but secondly, note Abraham's faith. To be a part of God's family meant to participate in Abraham's blessing. It meant to be a part of Abraham's family. And what has happened over time in in Jewish culture and Jewish teaching is that Abraham became a picture or became a a, a vision of obedience. It was one of physical descent. It was only Jews who received circumcision. Those who obey, just like Abraham did, are the true offspring of Abraham. They would say he kept the law of the Most High. He received the mark of circumcision. When God required him to do something, he obeyed him. When he tested, when he was tested, God provided. He was faithful. Abraham was faithful. Abraham was a man of obedience. This notion continued during intertestament times, the hostility between Jews and Gentiles. All the more, the Jews and the Judaizers would champion that Abraham is a figure and a warrior of faith. He received the blessing because of his obedience and because of his steadfastness under trial. What does it mean to be the children of Abraham then? The Jews and the Judaizers would say, well, you need to be circumcised just like Abraham. You need to obey God just like him. And if you really want to be righteous like him, you'll live a life just like him, namely one of obedience. The Jews were serious about this. The Judaizers were serious about this, that unless you wanted to belong to the kingdom and the family of God, you must follow the law. 
and you must be circumcised. Paul was fully aware of this notion and he had none of it. Jesus was fully aware of this notion and he wouldn't have any of it either. You wanna say that you have Abraham as your father, yet God could raise up stones as offspring of Abraham if he so desires. You say, you have the, you say you're the offspring of Abraham, yet your heart, you want to kill me, Jesus would say. You don't have the heart of Abraham. If you were truly descendants of Abraham, you would rejoice as Abraham did. And the apostle Paul in Galatians 3, he says, just as Abraham believed, and it was counted to him as righteousness. The Apostle Paul quotes from Genesis chapter 15. Note the interesting mark of that is it's before circumcision. It's before God ever circumcised Abraham. It's before any of his obedience took place. Abraham believed God by faith, and it was credited to him as righteousness. The word that's used there is a word that means to count, to calculate, to, to, to enumerate, to reckon, to hold a view of, to put into someone's account, to charge it to them, to credit it to them. Righteous, Abraham, not because of your obedience, but because of faith. You could argue that even from the beginning when God told him to leave his home country and to leave his land to a land that he would show him that Abraham was exercising faith. The apostle Paul says, yes, Abraham believed God. Abraham was obedient to God, but Abraham was a man of faith. He was a man of faith. He was a man of faith that gave fruit to obedience, but it wasn't obedience giving fruit to faith. No, Abraham believed God. And he was declared righteous, not because of what he did, but because of faith. It was outside of him. Abraham was a man of faith. He believed God. There's much that we can see in this text about what Abraham actually believed. You say, there is? Oh, yeah, there's a lot in this text of what Abraham believed. Note it. I'll show you eight things this morning. Abraham believed God. Just as Abraham believed God, he believed God. It was counted unto him as righteousness. Abraham trusted the Lord. He was a man who took God seriously. He was a man that took God at his word. He believed God. Secondly, he believed the word of God. Look at verse 8. And the scripture, note that, the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand, to Abraham. God was speaking through his word. Paul is arguing here that the word of God is the very word of scripture. The scripture that you hold in your hand this morning is the revealed word of God. It is God speech to you. And Abraham believed the word of God. He would say that all scripture is God breathed. And Abraham believed the word of God. He believed God. He believed his word. Note this. Thirdly, he believed the gospel. Note the text, Galatians 3.8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. The word there that's used there for preach the gospel, prolongu ezomai, it's the word that means to announce good tidings beforehand. It means to pronounce the good news 
beforehand. And the scripture pronounced the good news of Jesus Christ. It proclaimed the good news of Jesus beforehand in that your sin debt, the sin debt of the world has been forgiven and cleansed. The king is victorious. Our king, our God has conquered. Christ is king. Christ is Lord. You're no longer in your sin. Christ will deliver you. It's the good news that was preached beforehand and Abraham heard it and Abraham believed it. He believed the gospel. Look at the text that God would redeem a people from every language, tribe, and tongue. Abraham believed the fullness of the gospel that God reconciling sinners, no longer condemning them, but blessing them through his offspring. And Abraham believed the good news of Jesus Christ. He believed the promises of God. Fourthly, that through him all the nations will be blessed. And Abraham said, I believe it. That all the promises of God, 2 Corinthians 1.20, find their yes and amen in Christ. But that's not all. Abraham believed in the atonement. Oh, yes, he did. Walking up to Mount Moriah with his son, God gives him a word and said, you go worship on this mountain and you take your son, you take your one and only son and offer him as a sacrifice unto the Lord. And any wise young boy on that trip would look at his dad and look at the travel arrangements that's been made. He said, Dad, I see the wood. I see the fire. I see the knife. But where in the world is the burnt offering? And Abraham believed that God would provide a sacrifice. So he answered in Genesis chapter 22, verse 8, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Abraham believed the atonement. Abraham believed in the resurrection. Abraham believed in the resurrection before going up the mountain to sacrifice his son Isaac. He says in Genesis chapter 22, then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over the mountain and worship and come again to you. Abraham knew that God could raise him from the dead. At the moment that he had the knife out, fully intending to sacrifice his son, there was not the slightest doubt in Abraham's mind that Isaac would not walk down that mountain with him. How could that be? The author of Hebrews tells us that he considered, Hebrews eleven nineteen. he considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead. Abraham believed in the resurrection. He believed in the power of God after death. He not only believed the good news, he not only believed in the atonement, he not only believed in the resurrection, he believed of a coming glorification and an eternal redemption. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place which he had received an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went and left to live in the land of promise and in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs of him as, and the same promise. Note this in verse 10. For he was looking for a city. He was looking to a city that has its foundation and designer and builder is God. Abraham said, I'm going to a physical land. But I tell you, I have my eyes set on a better land. I have my eyes set on a coming kingdom. I have my eyes set on an eternal one. I have my eyes set on something that is better than this world. I have my eyes set on eternity and the coming of our Lord and the glorification and eternal redemption that we have through him. 
Abraham fixed his eyes on eternity. He was a man of faith. Number eight, Abraham looked forward and rejoiced in Christ. Abraham believed in Jesus. Note what Jesus said in John chapter eight, verse 56. He said, your father, Abraham, they would say to him, we have Abraham as our father. That's what the Jews would say. And Jesus responds back in John 8, 56. He says, your father, Abraham, rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Abraham saw the coming of Christ. He saw it and rejoiced in it. And the Jews grumbled about him and said, this man is but 50 years old and he's yet seen Abraham. Truly, truly, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Abraham saw the coming of Christ. He knew that there was a redeemer. He knew that there was a savior that was to come and he saw it and he rejoiced and he was glad in the coming of the Messiah. He looked forward. Abraham was a man of faith. And he wasn't righteous because of any of those fruits of obedience. The Apostle Paul is harking us back, harking us all the way back to where was Abraham made righteous. And he says it was before his circumcision. It was before the acts of obedience. It was when he believed God, Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15, twofold. It wasn't because of anything that he did. It wasn't because of circumcision. It wasn't because of the law. It was by faith. And it wasn't because of anything that was in Abraham. He was made righteous. He was declared righteous. It was credited unto him as righteousness. Abraham's story, Abraham's faith. Thirdly, Abraham's children. The Judaizers would have sang a song that was something like this. Father Abraham has many sons, and many sons have Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and you are not. So let's all get together for a little procedure we like to call circumcision. And the Judaizers would say, we have Abraham as our father. We were born the right way. We were in the right family. We've done what God requires of us. Yet the Apostle Paul argues time and time again, at least four times in this text, against the works of the law and argues that righteousness comes by faith and faith in Christ. Note the text, verse 6. Just as Abraham believed, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Verse 7. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. The Gentiles by faith. Verse 9, so then it is those who are of faith who are blessed along with Abraham. The man of faith. Paul argues that no, the children of Abraham are those who believe just like Abraham believed. The apostle Paul's point is that Abraham was righteous by faith. Before he did anything that he would do in his life, he he was made righteous by faith. And all the children that are Abraham's offspring, all those who belong to the kingdom of God, will belong to the kingdom of God just like Abraham, by faith in Christ. 
Abraham was saved. All the Old Testament saints were saved. All of them were saved just as we're saved in the New Testament and today by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Justification, now we are made righteous. We are declared righteous by grace through faith in Christ. There was not one way of salvation in the Old Testament and a new way of salvation in the New Testament. There wasn't a way for the Jew to be saved and a way for the Gentile to be saved. That's two different ways of salvation. There is one way of salvation, and it's by grace through faith in Christ alone. That's why Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. In the Old Testament, it's by grace alone, through Christ alone. They are looking ahead just as Abraham looked ahead towards Christ. And we look back and we see Christ who died on the cross bearing our sins and we believe him by faith. In Old Testament and New Testament, we all meet at the foot of the cross by grace through faith in Christ alone. This is why Paul would write in the book of Romans Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, apostle set apart for the gospel of God. That's the gospel. There it is. Which he promised beforehand through his prophets and holy scriptures. The gospel is filled. The Old Testament is filled with the good news of Jesus Christ. You see the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip going to him, and they're riding in a chariot, and the Ethiopian eunuch reads Isaiah 53, and Philip opens up the text, and he says, Who am, what, is this, what is this prophet speaking about? In Acts chapter 8, verses 35, then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, that's Isaiah 53, he told him the good news of Jesus. It's in the Old Testament. It is filled, and Abraham heard it, and he believed it. In all Old Testament, people that were saved, they believed the promise of God. They believed the gospel. This is why the book of Acts says there is no other name in heaven and earth in which we can be saved. That's Old Testament and New Testament. It's the same name by which we must be saved, the name Jesus Christ. This is why Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, for there is one God, and there's one mediator. How many gods? How many mediators? The man Christ Jesus. Not an Old Testament and a New Testament, but one way, and his name is Jesus, and it is his gospel, and Abraham heard the gospel, and he believed it. And it was preached to him beforehand by faith that all of his children, a people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, through Christ, sinners would find a Savior who is Christ the Lord and atoning sacrifice that righteousness would be given to them through Christ, both Jews and Gentiles. And Abraham heard it, and he rejoiced in the day that it was coming, and he believed Christ, and he believed the gospel. So the apostle Paul would say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. And Abraham sees, he foresees that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. God shows it to him in the scripture revealed before him to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. And Abraham rejoices and believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. Abraham believed the Lord. He believed the word of the Lord. 
He believed in the atonement, that God would provide a sacrifice. He believed in the resurrection. He considered that God could raise Isaac from the dead. He looked forward to the coming of Christ, and he rejoiced, John 8, 56. He believed in a coming glorification and eternal redemption, Hebrews 11, verse 10. He heard the gospel preached beforehand, and he believed it by faith. Abraham was a man of faith, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And there's a temptation for us to want to wave our banner. We treat faith and belief as a ticket to say, look what I have. Look what I have. Look what I have. I have faith. I have faith. Set me on the basis of faith. I have it. And we treat it like a golden ticket that gives us access But I think the Apostle Paul would caution us. I think Scripture would caution us. I think Abram, Abraham would caution us not to use faith and prop faith up as a work before God as the basis of our acceptance. That would be no different, beloved, as the argument of the Judaizers. It would be a work of the flesh that you must do and you must accomplish in order to be made right. I read my Bible, I pray, I sing, I give, I do all the stuff, I have it, I have the ticket. Abraham would say, that's far from what this means. Someone could look at Abraham and they may say something of Abraham, and they say, look at the faith, Abraham. Look at all that you did. Look at, look at your obedience. Look at your faithfulness. Look at you did all that God asked you could do. Look what faith you had, Abraham. What faith you have. What a man of faith. You have it. And I think Abraham would respond and say, you're giving me entirely too much credit. He would say it's all grace, as the Apostle Paul would say in the book of Galatians as well. And I think Abram would say, go back to Genesis chapter 11. Go back to Genesis chapter 11. I was living in the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. I was doing exactly as my father has raised me to serve other gods. I was a pagan, according to Joshua chapter 24, verse 2. I was a moon worshiper. I didn't know the Lord. I was a pagan. I was a Gentile. I didn't know God. And God comes to me in complete and total grace. And he calls me to a land unknown. And he calls me to himself. And he says, Abraham, look up. Look up, Abraham. You see those stars up there? You see all those stars that are shining? And Abraham would say, oh, I've seen them a hundred times. I used to worship those things. And God says, not anymore. And God called him in total grace. And he sees Abraham. And Abraham hears the promise of God and says, So are those stars that are in the sky. So shall your offspring be. And Abraham said, I believe it. That's faith. It wasn't a work of Abraham. 
It was a work of God. It was a work of his grace. And that grace moved him. That grace transformed him. That grace is the grace that he lived his entire life in. It was the grace that he surrendered every area of his life in. That faith that saved him alone did not come alone. It transformed him. And he would say, I'm far from perfect. Far from it. The Apostle Paul builds on his argument in Romans chapter 4. Turn there real quickly as we close this morning. That we have no grounds for boasting. No grounds for boasting. The Apostle Paul would say, when Abraham... When, when shall we say that Abraham gained, that shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefathers, according to the flesh? For Abraham was justified by works. He has something to boast about, but not before God. It's not by works. It is by grace alone through faith alone. And so because of grace, we have no grounds of boasting. We are recipients of his mercy. By grace, you've been saved through faith. And it's not a result of works so that no one may boast. And we're totally dependent upon his moving. We're totally dependent upon his grace, that this is not your own doing, the book of, he, book of Ephesians would say. It is the gift of God. Why in the world would somebody believe this? Isn't it foolishness, the apostle Paul would say in 1 Corinthians? It is, unless God opens your eyes to the beauty of the gospel and to the beauty of his son. That despite the human logic or human reasoning, Abraham believed, I'm old, my wife is barren, I don't have any children. Are you a fool, Abraham? Abraham says, I believed. Romans 4, 20 through 22. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God, but he grew strong in his faith and gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Thirdly, true saving faith is accompanied by obedience to the Lord. This is why the Apostle Paul would say, what shall we say? Are we continuing sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? The Apostle Paul is crystal clear that we are justified by faith alone, but that faith that justifies does not come alone. It transforms us from the inside out. Beloved, it's not just how we get right with God. No, the righteous live by faith. God's children made right and transformed by his grace. Those are the true children of Abraham. Those who are of faith. Those are the true children of Abraham. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then it is those who are of faith who are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Maybe the song should go this way. Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham, but I'm not one of them, nor are you unless you trust the Lord. Faith is constituted. It's brought about 
by the preaching of the gospel. And the Lord, who is the basis of the gospel, comes upon the scene in power and seizes dominion over us. And we believe and faith is expressed because God gives the gift. And so maybe today, beloved, maybe today, as this gospel was preached, the Lord has gripped your heart. And he has exposed the depth of your sin. And he has exposed and revealed to you the beauty of Jesus in your place. He is opening up your eyes to see the beauty and the power of his gospel for salvation. And Abraham, get this, Abraham received all the promises of God by faith. All the promises that God would give to him, Abraham believed them. And I know of no better invitation this morning than for a person to receive all the promises of God of salvation in Christ Jesus. That Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, slain for sinners, that every drop of the wrath of God was poured out on him. The promise that was given to you, I will forgive your sins. The promise that I will give you hope. The promise that I will reconcile you to God. The promise that I will save you. The promise that I will give you eternal life. And you say, God, I receive it. By faith, I receive it. Oh, how that's my prayer this morning. Is that just like Abraham, just like Abraham, you would believe God and it would be Well, as always, thank you for listening and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Prospect Sermons Podcast. If you'd like more information about Prospect Baptist Church, you can visit our website at prospectbaptistchurch.org or you can find us on Facebook by searching Prospect Baptist Church, Fayetteville, Tennessee. If you live in the Fayetteville area, we would love for you to join us in worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. If you're not comfortable doing that at this time, we understand, but please know we are live streaming our services on Facebook Live. We do hope to see you soon and look forward to you worshiping with us. Until next time on the Prospect Sermons Podcast.